You know, in some cultures, it's actually considered impolite to sweep people. This is Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform you choose, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. The best way for you to support the show, just click on the like and subscribe button. You can join the chat segment with folks like Tyson, who says, bring it in, fam. This is a safe space. Mahilo's hanging out with us. Logan's hanging out with us. Tyson's hanging out with us. Lots of folks hanging out with us in chat segment every day. We appreciate you guys making this part of your day. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by Adam Mares of DNVR, where you can check out the pre- and post-game show before every Nuggets game, as well as Nuggets content on the daily, as well as all the great content across the Colorado sports landscape. And check out the DNVR bar, which is the best place to watch the show. Uh, I saw a video last night of like during the comeback, which was looked really fun. looked like a really good time at the bar. I'm sure it was a, a bummer of an ending, but still a good time always at the DNVR bar. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com, promo code locked on on today's show we'll talk about the nuggets loss to the minnesota timberwolves in game four as the wolves avoid the sweep about the dynamics of how that game went out about uh all things that have to go on with the game so adam um i know that you had a late night at the bar we'll start here what was your central takeaway from the nuggets loss to the wolves in game four um my takeaway was that denver didn't have the requisite energy or urgency for this one and i would even say that i think that based on how Minnesota played, a lot of times the team is super desperate when their back's against the wall. I thought Minnesota played medium desperate. (laughs) Like they weren't completely lifeless, but they also weren't the most like, oh my God, this team was not going to lose. They they would have lost if Denver would have met them just halfway there. Um, But Denver didn't have the requisite energy uh, for it. And I say energy because I don't know how much of it was urgency. You know, hey, we got to don't let this thing linger or whatever. It's understandable not to have that. It's a little bit human nature. Um, But the energy part is the part that concerned me is it just felt like the team was a little bit sluggish. And um, that's concerning given how long the playoff run has to be. Yeah. I mean, the bar here is really high, right? Like everyone's looking for all the ways to kind of poke holes in the nuggets, even nuggets fans, I think in a different way, like outsiders, I think are really looking to, to find like, aha, they're frauds. Like I knew it. And Nuggets fans are like, oh God, see, this is why. They're like I saw that on Twitter last night. Like, like good friend of the show, Omar. Omar was like losing his mind last night. Like, this is why they're not real. This is why they, they're expected to beat Phoenix. All that. I'm like, it's fine, guys. It's 3-1. It's fine. It's, it's like not good that they lost this game. You can't be like, no, no, it's a good yeah, thing for them. It, no, I think we can. I, I'll make that case later Ooh, on the show oh, that, it, that it could be good. Okay. Um, but, I do, you know, look, um, there is a natural tendency for me. Um, so there's like a circular logic that I went through last night where I was watching the game and I was just like, man, they are just not connected on the on the defensive end. Like, say what you want about the offense, but they're not putting in the effort that they did in the first three games defensively. And that's like, if you do that, the floor for the Nuggets start to show up and you see how low and how easy it is for Ant to score and Conley got shots and Towns got going a little bit and Gobert was hitting rebound, like rebound putbacks. 
But then, like, I remember that when the offensive process isn't good, that's when their defense starts to fall apart. Like, there's this whole circular thing that they've talked about and admitted to. Like, the veterans have said, like, we tend to not defend well when we don't, when we're not scoring. And you saw that in this game. Like, if if Jamal and MPJ are going to have off nights from the floor, like, this is this to me, I think if if there's like a, a key takeaway. And like MPJ wound up six to twelve from the field, right? Like because of the the late push, um, you know, obviously yeah. like huge in the comeback, right? Like MPJ turned it on at the end, but like Jamal going eight to twenty one from the field, KCP goes two to seven, and all of a sudden, like you know, Bruce Brown five to twelve, and all of a sudden it's like that impacts their defense. You would like to see a game like if you, if you're gonna nitpick them up three to one, like that's it, right? Is like hey. You know, it would be nice if you could be like, oh, our shots aren't falling, but we're still going to defend and close you out because we don't, we're getting a great game from Joker and that's enough. And it almost was like, that's like really to me, you know, if you're the Wolves, you're like, hey, we extended the series, but it's also like, really? Like, you know, they shot terribly and we got things going and they almost beat us anyway. Like if you're a Wolves fan, I don't know how you feel good about the situation that you're in. Um, But ultimately that's kind of my takeaway is like, they didn't put the defensive work in, and they didn't put the defensive work in because they are still a team that if the offensive process is bad, their attention lapses on the defensive side. And, and the offensive process was really bad. I think yes. it stood out to me more than the defense, although the pick-and-roll defense remains a concern just because of how bad Denver looks. I mean, Jokic had a 126 defensive rating in this game, or the Nuggets had it when he was on the court. And a lot of that is the vulnerability in the pick-and-roll. But to get back to the offense, just 21 assists for the Nuggets in this game – the Nuggets were one in six in the regular season this year when getting 21 or fewer assists. So that is a mark for them that, no, this is a team that usually passes the ball better, um, and that's how their offense operates. And when they don't, they can look pretty bad. And I would uh, – so, yes, the offensive process to me, this was a very clunky game, I thought, where Denver didn't have a good rhythm, a good connection. And, that, and again, I think energy played a part into this. This one game – and again, I'm with you. There's no takeaways for this series to me. I think Denver closes. I would be shocked if Denver didn't close this out on Tuesday. And to be honest, I'd be a little shocked if they didn't close it out somewhat handedly. But this series, or this game, just this game, reminds me a little bit of the Pelican Sun series last year in that the Suns, you kind of always felt like we're going to win it. They were a lot better. But the Pelicans really wore them out and wore out Chris Paul in particular. Mm. And I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker has done an incredible job yes. of wearing out Jamal Murray. And again, I expect him to bounce back in game five and have a big game and the Nuggets to win comfortably. And then Denver will get a couple days rest to kind of recover before going into the next round. But it is one of those things where I look at and I go, Murray, when he gets tired and worn down, the ball sticks in his hand. He plays slower. The Nuggets play slower. And the connection just gets lost. And that's something that I think Denver is going to have to sort of internalize and figure out how to uh, be prepared for. Nicola hasn't had a bad offensive game. I don't think yet in the series. Um, I just don't think that you could really say that he's had a bad offensive game. There hasn't been a game where like he shot poorly or, you know, gotten blocked. Like, I don't know that I honestly don't know these that like that's something that can happen unless he's trying to have a bad game at this point. Um, you know, Jamal, I think it's, it's going to be a lot more variable and look, Jamal, he, it's not like you, you know, this doesn't erase what he did in game three. It's like, he's done that. Like he's, he's had good games in the series it, it, Game two. I think you're talking about game two. He's had good games in the series. Um, 
I, Jamal, I don't think is going to give you, I can't imagine that there's a series. I can't think of one. Maybe he'll do it next round, but I can't think of a series where it's like, oh yeah, Jamal just dominated that series. Like he did versus the jazz. Like it's going to be a little bit up and down and you're going to need guys to contribute every night. Um, well, hold on. Let me ask you this though. Nikhil Alexander Walker has really impressed me, man. That guy's yeah. defense is unbelievable. Yeah. And then obviously you have Rudy Gobert inside, who you know, rim protector, a, a really good rim protector. I wonder the next round. Let's assume it's Phoenix. Is that a tougher or less tough defensive matchup for Jokic and for Murray? Boy, because you're looking at Akogi and Craig most likely on Murray. Like my inclination is that it's easier. Book's been playing really good defense, so maybe you just stick Book on him. No way. No. I mean, he, even if he's playing good defense, it's not going to be. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's a really good defender. That There's a difference between an offensive player who can play good defense and somebody who's, like, a good defender. Yeah. Like, I would lean towards, towards it's easier. I would lean oh. towards that. I mean, it's way harder for them to guard the other side. For but sure. I'm just saying, I, I do think it's going to be easier to score. Yeah. In the next round, which yeah, is, I agree. Which is um, on the other side, I have a question for Adam about the age-old question of Jokic as a scorer versus Jokic as a passer. We'll hit that on the other side. But first, I need to tell you about – oh, look at that. My ads are gone. Uh, about the yeah. Nissan Aria Electric Player of the Week. Already? Yes. The Nissan Electric Player of the Week. Um, we hit Jamal Murray last Friday. So I think today uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to MBJ. Um, Jokic, Jokic has 41. I'm going to give it to MPJ because he's led fourth quarter performances in two of the four good, games played in this day. That's a good uh, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant. Elegant is a good word for MPJ's game. Um, I always have a hilarious time trying to assess whether or not shots are good for MPJ or not. Like there was one where like he dribbled wildly to the corner and flung one up and missed badly. And I was like, okay, like that's a bad shot. And then he did like the exact same thing late in the fourth and hit it. And I was like, well, okay, maybe maybe I have no idea what's a good and bad shot for him. And that's like, honestly, uh, part of why MPJ's offense is so stunningly powerful, much like the Nissan Aria. Uh, the Nissan Aria delivers on a combination of fierceness and elegance, beauty, but being strong. It's the perfect crossover. MPJ with his combination of size and strength is the perfect crossover i think for sure in the nba the 2023 nissan aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle the all new all electric nissan aria the electric vehicle for people who love to drive check it out at nissanusa.com we'll be right back on locked on nuggets Back here on Lockdown Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making us part of our day. Appreciate you guys being with us and joining us on a Monday. Um, I'm feeling pretty optimistic for the Nuggets. Like I'm still pretty like I'm not necessarily concerned. Like it's what here's what's really fun. Like this game is fine as long as they don't lose Tuesday. Like they lose Tuesday and it's like you start to be like, um, not like a lot, just like a little. Right. I just I, again I don't I don't want people thinking I feel that the Nuggets are going to lose Tuesday. I would I I would bet heavy that the Nuggets win on Tuesday. Yeah, and and comfortably, I think that they have a really good showing. So what's interesting about that, and like they might based off of the matchup because this is like this series and not all other series. One of the things I looked at this morning because I have to do it for action is so like winners 
have covered at an insane rate over the last three years. Like, obviously, if you're a dog and you win, you're going to cover, right? But if you are a favorite and you win, you also cover. It's been basically just like bet whoever you think is going to win the game and bet them on the spread. Um, or money line, obviously, if you're taking the dog. Uh, but what's interesting is like that the exception for that is up 3-1 in game five. For whatever reason, those games are actually closer than expected by the market. So it's that, like an interesting kind of like data. Like it's an interesting kind of like duality because like it also feels like something that you would probably get lost where you're like, oh yeah, they close them out in five. And then if you go back, you're like, oh, that game was actually like closer than I remember. But again, that's like all series and not specifically this one. I do kind of expect the Nuggets to come out a little bit pissed off because they let this one slip and hit them with a, a really good shot in the first half. And I don't necessarily think the Wolves have it in them to like respond, especially mm -hmm. after Denver almost won last night's game as well, forcing overtime. Um, I want to, before you get to the Jokic piece of this, let me ask you this, because I think, I, and let me preface this by saying, I don't think Denver has gotten a bad whistle, mm -hmm. you know, like meaning like worse than the Wolves or anything like that. But I do think that this series, foul trouble has been a story in every single game, every single one of them for both teams. And I put this on the timeline yesterday. Now that every playoff team has played four games, the, the Aaron Gordon, number one, Rudy Gobert, number two, Jokic, number three, Carl Anthony Towns, number five in fouls in the playoffs. Yeah. All the front court for both teams has been in foul trouble in every single game. And to me, some of these fouls I'm looking at and I'm like, what are we doing here? These are bigs. Let them play big. They don't know how to officiate it. I they really don't know how to officiate a series of this much size. This is, my, this is my take. I'm glad you went there because this is what I think. Like they have, they have no the, the officials have have a really great sense of how to award players free throws for driving on the perimeter and throwing up a shot. They have zero sense of how to officiate things underneath when things get physical. Um, there is no reason for a playoff series to have this many fouls. Like I get it on the Gordon stuff because I'm just like, look, he's undersized. And there's a lot of these where I'm like, yeah, Aaron's having to like pull down on arm or whatever. And like a lot of this is also like they'll give up a foul to Rudy Gobert versus the bucket. That's what you'll take. Like the equation there is always better, right? You'd rather foul Gobert than let him dunk it. Um, at the same time, I feel like there is a lack of understanding of what this series needs. And like, I'll also say this, a lot of times I feel like officials are trying to contain physicality by yeah. blowing the whistle. And what they actually end up doing is they add to the frustration. And that ends up, I think, increasing the risk of injury. Cause if guys like, I don't blame them. Like if I'm getting called consistently when I'm just trying to play physical, I'm going to be like, all right, if you're going to call me for the foul anyway, I'm actually going to foul him. Like, so I, I think it's a, officiating is at its worst i think i've seen it in the nba in a long time we lost a lot of veteran officials from the league and i think we're seeing that consistently it's um, just crazy to me that they rank four of the top five and most fouls are all the starting front court of both teams it's just to me and it's been a story in every game and i i hate it i hate yeah. that it's been a storyline and like fernando wants us to mention like the game three whistle free throw disparity was pretty bad for denver sure like i i totally agree that was the, that was the only one though that yeah was the only one um and honestly, Towns and Gobert have also gotten weak calls too. Like I just, um, yeah, this is this is, it's changed the whole complexion of the and Kyle Anderson too. So, but whatever. I mean, it it is what it is. It just frustrates me. So Nikola goes for forty one last night. He has six assists in uh, a longer minute load due to overtime. Like that's important to note that he played thirty nine minutes in an overtime game. Um, but he has finished with uh, six assists to four turnovers, and the. 
which was one of the things that was interesting is they started, I thought they were doubling him a little bit more. Um, I need to go back and kind of watch it, but I thought they, they started bringing a little bit more doubles, a little bit more aggressive, but the, clearly also like the wolves, I think some of the target was to try and make him a score. And it like a lot of this is like, what's kind of interesting with the, the context of this is like, okay, so Jokic goes for 41. Maybe the interesting thing for me is that, and you like, I would imagine some of this is like, Hey, he had six assists. You want to know why? Cause Jamal couldn't find the bottom of the bucket neither KCP. And when guys, Oh, missed no, it isn't even that. It isn't uh, even that. Your assists go, go haywire. The Nuggets offensive rating with Jokic on the floor was one Oh five. So I think it's, it, to me, it's interesting that you can be as efficient as, as Jokic is and put up 41 and still only put up a one Oh five offensive rating, which if like, you're not, if you're like, what does that mean? It's bad in modern context. It's really good you know 20 years ago 15 years ago 10 years ago now it's not good at all um what are your thoughts on the balance of of Jokic scoring versus uh versus as a playmaker relative to the other games we've seen in the series I don't think the the Jazz dictated Jokic is the scorer in this game to Wolves, the extent that Wolves, you're, the Wolves. what did I say the Jazz <laughs> I don't think that the Wolves dictated Jokic is a scorer to the degree that you're sort of referencing here as in like, oh, they're going to play him one-on-one or what have you. One of the key differences is that early on, they went back to putting Carl Anthony Towns on Jokic and Gobert as the roamer, which I think is the right move to do. So when you're talking, you know, maybe about better help or this or that, mostly it's just that they had a better player playing the help side. To me, what dictated Jokic shooting so much was that Murray was dead tired this entire game. He could not bring the ball up the court. He could not get the team into the offense. They could not get him into the flow of anything. And as a result, you had a lot of late clock possessions where Jokic was going aggressively in the last eight seconds of a possession. So for me, it was more about that than anything else. And especially frustrating in overtime and in the and right before the clutch. I mean, Denver's caught up to this game in transition. It wasn't off of like great half-court process. They got stops and they got transition buckets. But even in the fourth quarter, when they were down 12 with seven minutes to go, there were just so many possessions where Denver didn't have a single pass until six, seven seconds left on the clock. And when you're playing from behind trying to catch up, that's double egregious because on top of it, you're wasting clock. So to me, that was the real reason. And you say, you know, Jokic, Nuggets had at 105 with Jokic on the court, 103.7 with, with Murray, you know, 102 with Aaron Gordon, 109 with Michael Porter. I mean, it was really yeah. the whole starting lineup. I'm not, I, like, I'm not at all. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, Nicola scored 41. Was that bad? Like, no, I, I, I know but what I'm saying is it wasn't, it wasn't like it was different for the starting group as it was to him. I'm just saying it was the entire starting group could mm-hmm. struggle to score in this game. And I think a lot of it had to do with just how slowly they got into their sets on every single possession. That's always a trait. But it was especially a trait in this game because Murray looks so tired. How much of this game do you put on Murray? I have a hundred percent. Like, how much of the blame pie would you put on him? I mean, the offense, most of it. The defense, mostly on Jokic. Because again, the, I have two concerns about this one: Murray's conditioning and ability to get through like four rounds of this level of intensity, and Jokic's ability to guard pick and roll. This game, Denver. Denver has looked good in all facets of the series in aggregate, except for pick and roll defense. They've looked really bad at it. And it's especially concerning because there's almost always one or two non-factors on the court at all times. And in future series, that's not going to be the case. So I look at it and I go, Denver is struggling to contain a good pick and roll player in Anthony Edwards, a good pick and roll player in, in Mike Conley. And then obviously tough rim roller in, in Rudy Gobert, who's who puts that pressure on the paint rolling. So that part of it is tough. 
But Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyle Anderson, there's always one guy that you can just help off of, and Denver's still struggling to contain it. So that part for me – so Murray, mostly the offense. Jokic, mostly the defense. Seems fair. Um, before we go to the other side, we'll talk about – we'll shift to game five. And kind of well, I want to hear your take on this because you seem frustrated by that that mm-hmm. analysis. No, I'm not. I'm really not. I, I think you're – I think you're accurate. I think for me um, – A lot of this gets into the question of like how what are the expectations for Murray, right? And like based off of his contract, right? It's pretty high. Um, I don't you're right, you're spot on that he's that when he gets tired, the offense drags. They don't get in their pace. Like one of the reasons I think the Nuggets dominated game one and game two is their pace was great. Like they got they got into the wolves. And I think that Murray as a combination of being tired from Neil Alexander, uh, Alexander Walker. Um, and also just like being on the road and the number of playoff games. Uh, I think some of that just factored in and he just slowed down and you're right on all that. I, I do tend to think about the nuggets more holistically where I'm not like, I don't know that I can pin everything on not everything. I don't think I can pin even the majority. I just tend to think about things as like, well, everybody's got to get a role in this and like, you got to be able to generate more stuff. And, and some of this, I think is still their, their struggle. And people are really, it, it's weird because having Jamal and MPJ as two and three is such a benefit. And it's turning the fan base is basically like getting frustrated anytime that, that MPJ doesn't get like a huge. Yeah. But again, I think these things are connected a little bit. I mean, you, if you get Michael Porter, the ball has to find him and for the ball to find him, it has to get moving. And when you don't get into your set with until there's 10, eight seconds on the clock, there's just less time for the ball to move and to find open people. And I think that's a large part of what happened. And then you saw it, especially in overtime, where really there just wasn't a lot of good offensive process. And again, I think it was a little bit of just wearing down. And to go back to Jamal Murray, he had a great game one, 24 points, eight assists, eight, eight rebounds. So almost a triple-double on great efficiency. 40 points in the second game. Obviously, he went off. And we all said playoff Jamal is a real thing. Like that was the big takeaway. Game two, that's what our show was about. Since then, two unimpressive games, you know, 18. He did have the nine assists in game two, but then 19 points in this one and obviously eight of 21. So he shoots below 50% in the last two games um, on and doesn't break the 20 point per game mark. And to me, that's the thing. Playoff Jamal, I was thinking about this. He's kind of like regular season Jamal, just more so. Like the highs are even higher, but the the swings from good to bad games still remain there. Um, this is a data point, and it could be heavily influenced by the Wolves getting out in transition off of turnovers. So, like, I am caveating this. I'm just like trying to find. I'm trying to find contextual stuff, and I agree with it. Again, I agree with your eye test assessment. Um, pace was significantly higher with Murray on the floor because of his minutes with the bench. Uh, pace was 94 with Murray on the court. 90 with KCP, 90 with Jokic, 89.6. That's super slow slow to begin with. So even if it's faster, that's still really slow. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll have a look at the lineup stats and look at at like how that breaks down. That's actually kind of an interesting thing. And and one one last thing on this to come to Murray's defense a little bit. The Nuggets only have one point guard, you know, in the rotation. And I I do think that having another ball handler of some capacity is going to be big for the Nuggets going forward. I don't know if it's damning. I mean, we'll see if Denver can play through it. But I do think that one way you break this is to have another guy that can bring the ball up the court. And right now, if you think about that, it's Jokic. Maybe Aaron Gordon brings the ball up the court a little bit more in game game five. That might be an adjustment to make. 
But right now, I just think Murray is so worn down by fighting to kill Alexander Walker full court that it's it's really starting to wear him down. Um, Russell says, agree with Adam. Murray's slow pace is sometimes a problem. And can we stop saying Murray's on the same level as Edwards and Booker now? Like, I wouldn't say he's on level of Booker, but I think we, again, let's, guys, like, game, game two did happen. Like, it's a thing that happened. We don't have to, like, completely shove that in the closet. It happened and it mattered. So, also, like, Anthony Edwards is like the number one on that yeah. team. I mean, it's just a little bit different. So, yeah. On the other side, we'll talk about the adjustments for game five as the Nuggets look to close out the series at home. First thing to tell you about price picks every day of the NBA playoff finals, uh, playoffs, and then during the finals, one price picks user will re- win a chance at becoming a millionaire. Uh, one entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get six correct picks, it's a million dollars. Five, it's 80000 Four is 16000 Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at prizepicks.com slash million to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. But once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Prize picks is Daily Fantasy made easy just pick two to six players and if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection and you win up to 25 times your money on any entry you're not competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available prize picks offers projections on any sport that you can watch including nba nfl mlb nhl go abs pga college football men's college basketball women's college basketball soccer WNBA, esports nascar tennis mma boxing disc golf euro basketball cricket and more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's just that easy they offer safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in 30 states and Canada. Download the Price Picks app or go to PricePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We're also brought to you today by the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM Game. It's awesome. Um, I like heartily endorse this game it is a lot of fun to go through you can um go and and build the team in the way that you want um last night i was messing around and decided to go the exact opposite way from how i think nba twitter wants to which is like let's just build with young prospects who are athletic and then went with aging veterans who can shoot and we made the conference final three times um it was great i basically built my team with like you know jeff greens and contavious caldwell popes and it was great um was able to make the conference finals still got fired i can't handle the cap thing i'm still working on that it shows you how hard some of this stuff is you get to face all the challenges of running a basketball team including dealing with challenging personalities hiring the right coaches and assistants trading and training players and making draft picks and navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft all this in a challenging and realistic game world ultimate pro basketball gm is completely free and playable offline on the go as you want and when you want to locked on nuggets listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store so make sure to check it out Download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up in the app store source. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here in Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and making us part of your day on a Monday as we go through the Nuggets loss, but we'll tra- transition now to game five. Um, 
I don't think there's any call for like real big adjustments. I don't think they need to get out of their box. I don't think there needs to be any rotation changes, anything. I do, I do think maybe something from Jamal Murray to alleviate the stress of – I do think something to kind of keep him fresh. So the maybe Aaron Gordon brings the ball up a little bit more or something of that nature. That maybe would be a shift to Bruce. Like, I think the first five minutes is fine just when you bring Bruce in, right? Take KCP out first, bring Bruce in, and have Bruce bring up the ball and move Jamal. Like – Part of this is also just like we've talked about this for. I mean, look, and I've lauded J- Jamal for being floor general, right? Like he's done a lot better job about that. Um, but bringing Bruce up and having him initiate the offense, I will say, like Jokic, I feel like is taking the ball and moving the ball up the court a lot. And look, some of this could be also like a tension point where where uh, Jokic is like, "Look, I can't trust you to get the ball up the floor, so I'm going to do it myself." And to be fair, I want to make it clear: last year, Chris Paul got worn down by Jose Alvarado. Like yeah. this is a strategy that it's. Chris Paul, one of the best point guards of all time, and it still affected him, you know, physically. This it's not necessarily like a damning quality of Jamal Murray, but there is like a level of that you have to overcome, and the team can try to help him out in that in that battle. For perspective, I think this is good from Lawlency, which is the, the it's the NBA teams lose sometimes and players are bad games. Boston drop game three to Atlanta. The stuff happens all the time. The Nugs are fine. They just need to focus up, and I think they will. Like. But Atlanta is significantly worse, I think, than the Wolves. In my in my humble opinion, I think they're significantly worse than the Wolves. And Atlanta got Game Three. Like Boston let their foot off the pedal. Like the only team that swept is the Sixers. And I assure you, having watched that series, it is just because the Nets are just that lost. Like they do not have any capacity. Like they lost without Embiid. They lost. Were you, impre- were you impressed with their defense, the Phillies' defense in Game Four? I was so impressed. To a degree, <laughs> you never you never catch the bait. I'm trying to throw at you. They held them to 82 points. They just had so much paint protection in Game Four. I was just so impressed with their paint it's just protection. Like, I wrote I wrote this thing for the Action Network. The Nets, like all their guys, knew. Like you're yeah. in this playoff series. You're not even supposed to be there. You're That's down a three zero. Mercury team too, like that, like more so than the Wolves. Who like those teams? All those players just arrived. Yeah, like they don't even know if they're gonna beat. Like Dorian Finney-Smith is like probably hasn't unpacked. He's probably living out of his suitcase. Right. Like yeah. they have one center who's a small ball center in Nick Claxton, and one point guard in yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, it's you know, a like, Mikhail was awesome in this series, but like it does show you the idea of like all you need is a million like super switchable wings. No, like it turns out like you are gonna need like some other guys that can do other things. Um. So like, yeah, that, that's part of it. Uh, Mahalo disagrees. He says the, the Atlanta could shoot the lights out. That is not accurate. They are not a great shooting team. They have not been a great shooting team all season. They will not be a great shooting team team going forward. Um, that's just not accurate. So I, I think the Wolves are pretty bad though. To, to I mean, again, the, the original comment was comparing the two. I mean, I don't, I mean without Nas and Jaden, I agree. That's what I mean. Like as shorthanded as they are, they just always have a player on the court that doesn't need to be guarded, and that's just not going to be the case every time going forward. I mean, it's kind of interesting because I'm having this, I'm having like a lot of stress over this Knicks Cavs series because JB Bickerstaff's driving me insane. Um, the Knicks are, are, do not feel that they need to go out guy, guard Isaac Okoro, who Correct. shot 43% post All Star. Like he earned his minutes, played really well down the stretch. They were great with him. He helps with their rebounding, he helps with their defense. Like all of these things, Isaac Okoro is a plus player. He misses two threes, and JB Bickerstaff's like, gotta get him out of there. They're not guarding him at all. Gotta get him out of there. And it's like, if you just like, if you span, like they're not scoring, the Knicks aren't going anywhere. Right. Like, if you span that action and he hits like another three, they're going to be like, 
okay? Like maybe a step closer. Such right? a, it's such a delicate balance, though. I under, I understand both pools of this uh, of that one, but they have no better option. So what do we do? That's my here? thing. If yeah, there's a better right. option, go to it. Karis right. LeVert is not a better option, and Chetty Osman, damn sure, is not a better option. I'm very frustrated with. You're a player. Yeah, it's sheer Taylor made to hate Chetty Osman. Why? But you're right about him. He's, I mean, come on. They're, they're, they're handicapped. Yeah. Why am I tailor made to hate Chetty Osman? <laughs> Are you calling me a xenophobe on my own show? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. Chetty, I mean, Chetty Osman's legitimately like flawed player, though. I mean, he's like a super. It's more, it's more I don't like the beloved guys that fans that, belong to. That's part of it. Like, he's like a super wancho. Yeah. That's a little bit, a little bit of it. Um, and I, honestly, that's insulting to watch a Hernan Gomez. Um, <laughs> Where is he? Is he even in the league? I don't remember. He's, I don't either. He's got those, he's got those movie checks, though. Um, so, game five. Don't think there needs to be a, a lot of an adjustment here. You want to know something I think that is interesting? Okay, so, look, the matchup, I'm going to caveat this like a million ways. I use the matchup data as like a guiding point to be like, okay, how is this looked? It's not necessarily determinative. It's not like, aha, like there's a lot of messiness. You got to be real, real cautious with it. Right. Um, I was kind of interested in, in this fact, which is uh, Anthony Edwards, when guarded by Contavious Caldwell Pope in the series is nine of 21 shooting 43% from the field. He scored 27 points, um, which is not, good at all that's that's not good um when guarded by jamal murray eight of 20 when guarded by bruce brown six of 12 um nikola Jokic eight of 21 so that's like on switches or when he's in drop attacking that coverage aaron gordon he's six of 13 which is a little bit better so like part of me kind of gets into the feeling of i wonder if maybe the the you don't need as much size on him oh i want to ask you this because ryan blackburn criticized ag's defense on that pull up three from uh ant late in that game yesterday did you think that ag's positioning was bad yes very bad and i was on i was doing a watch along we've been doing watch alongs at it and i'm calling it out the entire play you can go back and watch the exact moment i'm calling it out sit on the high side don't let him get into a step back play him to the rim force him to the rim and he bought on the i mean honestly it was like the thing that i could see coming he's going to step back on you and he just bit on it so super super hard so yeah, I mean, I thought it was bad. Um, so maybe he just doesn't need to guard him. Like, maybe that's, like, the the equation here is that, like, I guess here's the other thing is, uh, all right, well, I'll just ask you, I'll go, I'll go in your direction. What do you think the Nuggets need to do besides just focus more in game five? I mean, like I said, alleviate some of the pressure from uh, Jamal Murray, I think, is a big part of it. And then, but, I mean, here's the thing, Matt. I've This is the thing about Denver that I feel pretty confident in. They can play good defense, including pick and roll. It just takes an enormous amount out of them. And you know one thing that happened in this game? Jokic went off offensively. He had a big offensive game. Does that come at the expense of, of the defense a little bit? Or did he have more in the tank because he wasn't playing hard on the defensive end? I don't know. So to me, this is why I think in game five they're going to win. And I, your data is interesting because I think everybody feels this way. You're right, in the up 3-1. But I really do feel like Denver wins and wins comfortably and part of that is because I just expect them to lock in and play hard for more minutes in this game. The question is, can they play hard 12 more times, you know, to get to, to get an NBA championship? Can you do that? And that's the thing where Denver played hard in games one, two, and three. 
and you thought like, okay, they can just live here. But I just think they've gotten worn down a little bit in each game, and it makes you worried that can they do this for seven game series against a good opponent? Yeah, uh, I'll say this too, though. Um, one of the things that's always fascinating to me in a series is I talked to Mike Miller about this several times, actually, about one of the reasons that adjustments don't work as well late in the series is just because you've gotten so used to the mechanisms that you're going through to the same types of actions, right? Like the first time that you run pick and roll, even if you're used to playing that guy, you're trying to remember like, oh yeah, he comes out like a little bit wider here. I can't get around him. I got to go back on the inside to split it. Or, oh yeah, they want to swing this way. Uh, the, you know, this play set, what they're at real, their read here is to get it to the, for an L, you know, an L pass or whatever, like those dynamics, you get more used to them as a series goes on. I don't typically see the only way that teams really get better defensively is if a team exhausts itself, which obviously is a concern that you're mentioning. The other thing is if like they just go small and they start switching everything. Cause, and that's usually, that's why that's become such an in vogue thing over the last five seasons is all right. We tried all these other things. We can't do it. So we're just going to go small. And we're going to switch everything and make you play one-on-one. And it just, it gets harder. That's the only real way it gets harder because versus these other mechanisms, you tend to see teams figure out the coverages, whether it's drop at the level, all these other pick and roll coverages is, you know, and let's take it out of pick and roll. Cause I talk about that too much. ISOs, right. You get used to, yeah, they're going to try and shade him to the middle and you start to realize like, oh, I can hit that guy. If he, you know, if he flips over to the, to the edge of the wing a little bit more, he'll have an open three once I start to drive because they're going to show hard, right? right? So all these kind of dynamics, I think get tougher. Um, also, I'll say this, like, I understand your concern about the, about the endurance thing. Denver's in such a better spot than all these other teams. Everybody else is playing guys to the absolute bone. Oh, like, yeah, like Phoenix's minute totals is like insane right now. Steph. I, 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 staff too. I, well, the Warriors have – all these teams have similar problems. It's kind of funny, man. No team really trusts their bench, right? <laughs> you get to the playoffs and every team is like, oh, man, our bench is scary. Um, I, The Suns pl- and the Nuggets play at the same time. This is the Nuggets. One of the funny little little things about this game is the Nuggets are on NBA TV for game five, which is such a bummer. So they get that closeout opportunity when no one will be watching. But, but if if – one of those two teams is to lose, Denver or Phoenix. I think their odds go down a meaningful amount for the next round. If they both finish out their series on Tuesday and get Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday off and come back on Sunday, both teams, like, okay, they're both rested. If one of those teams has to go to Thursday and play another game, if you're talking about Phoenix with those high-minute totals, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, who are already like injury concerns just in general, and you get up and then they don't they get a short turnaround before the next round, Denver gains something out of that. Vice versa, Murray and Jokic, who already look a little tired, if they have to go to Thursday and then do the quick turnaround and then have to host an important home game in in game one, that would diminish their odds. So I do think it's important for both teams to close this out. I've started calling the Suns the Oregon Trail Suns because everybody gets dysentery and dies on when they're facing them. Their injury luck is absolutely ridiculous. It's true. It's absurd. It's true. When I started to look back on it, it was like, wait – they got Matt. They've played two healthy teams. Yeah. I'm not kidding about this. When I say not missing a starter, only two teams, they lost to both of them. 
Yeah. Every team they have beaten in two seasons has been missing a starter. And if they beat the Clippers, it'll be the start of a trend in three or three as well. Yeah, for sure. That doesn't mean they're not a good team, by the way. I'm not trying to go that far on them. I'm just saying there is something to that. Back tomorrow, we'll get you set for game five. Talk about some more adjustments. We'll head around the league and check out what's going on in the rest of the Western Conference. We'll get Adam's thoughts on Lakers, Grizzlies, and more. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to hit the rate, review, and subscribe. Give us the five-star reviews. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll see you guys again tomorrow on Lockdown Nuggets.